0: Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Sheena Yatenis, the founder of Kosas. Welcome, Sheena. Hi, Priya. Thank you so much for having me. So, Sheena, before we get started and talk about the impetus for Kosas, I would just love to understand what your new normal has been like. What has it been like since March running this business from your home 24-7?
1: It has been been an experience I never thought I would have. Um, In some ways, it's not terribly different than before in that my actual location hasn't changed so much because we've been running COSIS out of my house for the last six years. So in that regard, I'm in the same place that I was, but I'm now alone all the time. And I used to be surrounded by all the amazing people that I work with and all the people that I collaborate with. And it was a very colorful and lively environment. And now um, we do all that over Zoom. And it's not quite the same.
0: Also, tell us a little bit about just the general idea of COSUS and where clean beauty was about five or six years ago. Five or
1: six years ago, when I was first thinking about COSUS, I was really just focused on product, and creating a beautiful makeup product that felt like something that I would resonate with, even though I wasn't like this, you know, very glam and girly type of person, but I was a huge lover of makeup. And so all I was really, it was, I think, five or six years ago, the entire experience was very internal for me. And I couldn't have imagined that it would be the way that it is now.
0: When you think about, you know, that transition of, you know, high performance, beautiful, amazing lipstick and makeup, and then it being clean, where did you see the disconnect? Like the disconnect between clean beauty and traditional makeup and what you wanted to do with Kosas?
1: That's a really great question. I think in, in the early days of Kosas, which was around 2014, um, when I started kind of developing the brand, we didn't really have the terminology clean. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't the type of profile that a clean product can be today, which is really dependent on the creator of that product. It's, it's a bit of a personal experience in terms of what you feel is the best choice and the right clean kind of ingredient profile for a brand. Um, what we did have was natural and organic, and those products tended to be lightly tinted, Um, They were really focused on the fact that they were natural and organic and not so much on being a beauty brand per se, that was really like cultural shifting or trend setting or um, creating kind of an environment and universe in which that brand existed.
0: So, you know, obviously your own personal experience was driving, you know, what you wanted and there was no real clear definition for what you wanted at the time besides, you know, the standard of clean. How do you think that changed over the last five or six years?
1: What's really changed is that the consumer now has the the clean vocabulary. Um, The retailers have the clean vocabulary. There's an opportunity for merchandising in a clean um, assortment that allows you to easily be able to differentiate between a clean brand or a conventional brand. I think it's still extremely early. Um, I think there, is, there are still a lot of designations to be made. Um, it feels to me like a pendulum swing that went all the way from conventional to the vilification of conventional to clean and, uh, you know, that we must all shift to clean and it's for the sake of our health. And the other version is, you know, doing all these things to us. And where I hope we actually land is that we give people a choice just like we do with food, just like we do with beverages, just like we do with anything that's that is available to us that we consume, that we put in on and around our bodies, where we can decide that we want to pick the cleaner version or we can decide that we want to pick a different version and that we we have choices. And it's not because one is worse or one is vilified or one is better, but because we are giving people an option.
0: Why do you think clean color for specifically, which, you know, you started in and, you know, you were known for your lipsticks and, and still are, took so much longer than, say, skincare or other clean categories?
1: I think it could be for a couple of reasons. One is some people will say it's harder to formulate clean color than it is clean skincare because the efficacy is so visible meaning it has to have color payoff, it has to function, it has to have coverage, it has to do all these things that you want your makeup to do. Um, And two, because, could be, because there's less of an interest in clean color. Um, Maybe we see color as a vice anyway, and it doesn't really need to be clean. Um, I don't feel that way, obviously, and I think that has shifted, and we're we're now definitely seeing the proliferation of more and more clean color brands, which I think is really great for the industry.
0: You started with lipstick, Sheena, and I know that you once said to me that lipsticks were like the minimal viable product you had to have to be a beauty brand, but you've expanded pretty rapidly. Will you talk a little bit about how you approached product development, how you thought about building this brand from, you know, just an idea a few years ago?
1: I'm glad you think it happened rapidly. It feels like it's been going on forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do. We spend a lot of time in development of every single Product that we launch. Um, I think what's really fun about color products like lipstick and eyeshadow is that they are shades, they're tones, they're things that you love, they're colors that you can fall in love with that feel emotionally evocative. They have a very different onus than a complexion product, for example, which is, you know, really needs to match a lot of skin tones across a wide range and requires a lot of testing, um, is less open to interpretation. It shouldn't be open to interpretation. It needs to look like human skin. So um, I think depending on really what we're working on, we have a very full timeline of development that starts with a problem. And we find our way into that problem through like I think product developments for me, it starts with a personal issue that I have had for many years, which is what ever led me to starting a brand in the first place. So it, whether it be a complexion product that is sheer but still provides coverage, I think that was something that I was always looking for. Things that feel incredibly lightweight, the sensorial experience of putting on makeup, Um, For someone like me, who's very sensitive, that can be a really jarring experience, whether it feels heavy on my skin or how it smells or how it tastes. And these are all kind of the ways that we find our way into a product at Kosas.
0: What do you think the journey has been like for the customer? You know, maybe not having so many options and now kind of being inundated with so many options when you go to a place like Sephora and there's not just your brand, there's other brands, you know, the optionality is there, but, you know, it's very, it's a sliding scale, right? You still have those brands that are very organic and very like no makeup, makeup look. And then there's your brand, which is much more performance and feel and look.
1: Yeah. I think, I I think about it in terms of what does a brand embody and what is a brand trying to say with who the brand is? And for us, you know, the clean formula is part of that, but the Kosas... Girl is the girl who's always loved makeup and never felt very girly for the girl who loves makeup, but doesn't feel like looking made up. And in that way, it might look like no makeup, makeup, or it might look like it's something totally different. It might be that it looks like makeup. It looks like color, but it's not so artistry driven. It doesn't require a ton of skill. It can be washes of color. Things can have kind of a built-in imperfection, which is very inherent to what the brand is for it to look intentionally undone a little bit and I think it's those key elements of a brand that help it not feel like such a sea or feel inundated but help you really feel like what do you connect to as a consumer you can walk through some somewhere as amazing as Sephora and say let me find the place that I'm drawn to and you have those choices in front of you.
0: You recently moved further into personal care with your deodorant. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, for the lay customer who had never heard of Kosas before, you know, what did you see that dotted line being? What was the story from lipstick to deodorant and bridging those two worlds together?
1: I have wanted to make deodorant ever since I wanted to make lipstick because I, it comes from the same root. I had an issue with lipstick. It felt too heavy on my lips. The taste was too perceptible. It was too distracting for me to wear a lip color and not be able to kind of get on my day. I had the same issue with deodorant. I suffer from very strong BO and being a person who wants to solve problems through product, like I was of course going to tackle deodorant. Um, A huge pillar of the Kosas brand is that we know that life is moving that life is active, that life is evolving. And COSA Sport is the area that lets us really flex on the product side toward that like important emotional pillar of what the brand is. So it really helps us create products that support that active lifestyle, um, create products that are inspired by all the philosophies that come with an active lifestyle, things like drive and commitment and things that feel like we can draw from in more ways than than just the athleticism, but that can actually trickle into our daily lives and then help us um, really like commit to being the people that we want to be. And I find I personally draw a lot of inspiration from that level of love and that level of obsession. And I think that um, Kosas Sport really allows us to play in that. And we do, what I do see is that because it's not, because the philosophy isn't just specific to the Kosas Sport products in that Kosas overall is a very comfy in your skin active type of brand. Like the, I would say the Kosas makeup has a beauty athleisure vibe in that. So Kosas being your sweatpants that you wear out, like your joggers, your going out sweatpants, and then Kosas Sport being your clothes that you actually work out in. So like very performance-focused, running shoes, sports bras, that type of thing. And there is a connection overall in that the Kosas woman is always moving.
0: You know, I was really inspired by the campaign that you did around this. You know, you were using dancers, you were using like Nike trainers. There was so much action and active um, imagery and 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 lifestyle, you know, and all these beauty brands right now want to be lifestyle brands. But this didn't feel forced. Could you talk a little bit about coming up with that kind of vibe and ethos and actually executing on that in a way that people think it's real, right? And, and believe it.
1: I have always felt that life comes first and beauty comes second. And that is like a like a core truth to who I am and where the brand is born from and I think that's why it feels that way. Um, it is I, I think that if you were to ever look at anything that Cosis has ever done, you'll always see the whole woman represented. you'll always see parts of her inner world represented things that I know that we don't see those typically in beauty campaigns there's it's often floating head or it's you know it's often like a neck and shoulders up um representation. I I feel that beauty comes from all those layers of who a person is, and the way that we look is a real result of all of those layers. And um, I think that's why it feels very natural for us to represent beauty in that way.
0: Another campaign that I was really, you know, fascinated by was what you did on TikTok and what you're doing on TikTok and what happened with the step chickens. Will you describe what what was going on there?
1: I don't know that I can. I actually don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> so um, I'm like the meme of the people that don't that are like too old to be talking about TikTok. I'm trying to understand and use it. Um, I can clearly see it's a phenomenon. And just because I don't use it every day doesn't mean that a like, billion people don't use it every day. They clearly do.
0: What do you think about e-commerce in general, Sheena? You know, obviously there's been such a switch between, you know, shopping in stores, being in stores, touching and feeling product, and now communicating all of that online. So what did you guys really pivot towards or lean into in this entire, um, situation and what COVID has brought us?
1: I will, I mean, I'll start by saying we do not have the situation figured out. I think that there's a really compelling reason why people shop for beauty in person. And that is because they're matching colors to their skin tone. And that's a hard thing to trust, um, in, uh, in a, in, a, in a, purely online environment, um, added to, there's a little, not a little bit, there's a lot of confusion for people around like how to use product. I Sit across from all levels of different experts who still feel like they don't know how to put on their lipstick right. So, if we're talking to beauty editors who feel that way, then obviously you can imagine how the average person feels. And there is a feeling of comfort that comes with having somebody help you and show you the right way to use something, especially when it's a new format. Um, and we have products that are that are fresh formats that people haven't seen before. Things like tinted face oil that. Like, the first question people will ask is, what is a tinted face oil? And so, you know, there's a lot of ex- explanation that goes along with that. So all that to say that we don't have the answer fully, and I don't think anybody does. Um, some of the things that we're doing that we, that we pivoted to right away were shifting all those amazing people that we have who show up every day in store to answer those questions for people and to help the, help the people that need helping to live consultations. And um, that's been a really great experience for the entire company overall because those experiences were happening for those individuals in the field. And we weren't necessarily hearing every experience that they were having and every interaction that they were having. And we actually do more so now because they've folded into our e-commerce experience. And so I think the entire company overall gets to get a better understanding of where our client needs assistance, what kinds of concerns she has, what kind of questions she's asking and how we can better be there for her.
0: When you think about, you know, color being so performance driven and you wanting to see it on your hand or on your face and kind of that a lot of virtual try on tools have not really satisfied, you know, a real life experience. What do you think about testers and trial and sampling now? Like how are you even starting to navigate that?
1: We are starting from the very bottom. We're starting from scratch. <laughs> um, it's a it's a complicated question because we can move to, I think the, the instinct is to go straight to single-use samples, um, dispensers, and there is a sustainability question. There's the amount of material that we're producing question, and, and that's always been core to our ethos, and I think that we're grappling with that. Um, to really understand what the best way is to move forward. Virtual try-on is not quite there, but I do have faith that it will be.
0: Is that something that you really want to explore these next, like, six months, next year? I mean, obviously, some stores are open, some stores are closed. There seems to be a floating case of COVID in every state now. So how are you thinking about planning ahead?
1: Uh, The things that we're really thinking about in terms of planning ahead are, are looking at the specific products that would be the most difficult to buy without trying. Um, I think that, you know, it would be the question would be how can we produce some kind of a sampling solution in a way that feels minimal um, and it doesn't feel very over the top. And the way to, the way that we're really looking at that is through the lens of complexion in that it's challenging to buy a complexion product without feeling confident that not only the color is going to match, but that it's going to wear well in, on your skin over time. I think like the shopping experience typically involves you going into store, finding a match, putting it on, going out into natural light, looking at it, maybe waiting a few hours to see how, how it wears on your skin and then making a decision. And so understanding that behavior is the the first step in understanding how to be there for that behavior and solve it in a world where we can't have testers in store.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that there's something inherently different about foundation and concealer than there is about lipstick or even deodorant. You're much more willing to maybe try and play than something that you're going to wear all over your face every single day.
1: Totally. It's your whole Uh, skin.
0: (laughs) When you think about how else you are kind of balancing, you know, what you want this brand to be this year, what you want this brand to be next year. I mean, I think industry sources have said that you guys hit 50 or $60 million or are going to hit 50 or $60 million in sales this year. I'm wondering, like, this seems to be a huge opportunity. Like, where do you see yourself thriving amidst the uncertainty?
1: I think that every value that COSIS has embodied from, from the perspective of a brand, who we are, And what we do down to the types of products that we create and the look that we advocate for um, has actually all been accelerated since the onset of COVID. Um, I have long believed that the look of beauty was changing. I have long felt alienated from the beauty conversation when when you're talking about a makeup routine that requires 15 products or an hour and a half. Um, And I'm a makeup lover. So I know that I'm not alone. And and in the era that we're in now, that shift towards quicker, towards better, towards um, performance without so many layers and towards a dignified appearance and still wanting to feel you know a sense of self and grooming, all of that has, I feel like, happened more quickly. And we couldn't be in a more timely position in terms of, what we've been pushing for as a brand this entire time, so I, you know, I have felt like I wanted to lead that change, and the environment has actually only helped that for us.
0: What has the customer response been? I mean, imagine you're talking to them all the time now, of course, like over virtual consultations and via DMs. But you know, where else do you see kind of customer behavior changing, right? Like besides looking at each other on Zoom all day. Where else do you think her beauty routine is going to see a shift?
1: I think more than ever before, I've seen um, something that we've been talking about for a while: the concept of a five-minute face, and the other idea of dual-purpose products. So the the concept of makeup being skincare. And what that really, I mean, of course, what that really means to a brand, right? Because I think that it sounds great um, and it depends on how you formulate uh, whether that's true or not. Like skincare to me is something that creates a change in your skin over time. So if a makeup product is is not doing that, then I, I don't think you can effectively call it makeup that meets skincare. But I think the entire concept that We'd like to have something that we can put on quickly. We'd like to have something that gives us a natural appearance, um, our favorite version of ourself, a person that we recognize when we look in the zoom camera, or we look in the mirror, all of those feelings that feel like you're owning your, your own relationship to beauty and that you're not trying to cover flaws or, or come from a place of there's something wrong with you, um, are all the conversations that I am seeing more and more, um, coming from our customers directly in that they're reaching out to us saying, hey, we really appreciate the position you're taking on beauty. We haven't seen that before and we really love it and it resonates with us.
0: Do you as a leader, do you feel this like even more intensified, always on mode for yourself just because you do have access to all of this information and to your team at all times now?
1: I am always on for my team. (laughs) Always. 24-7. I am not always on for the rest of the world. Like, I'm not a person who um, feels like an always-on, outwardly-focused influencer. But I am always on for my team because those people are like my family.
0: Do you think that the conversation around, I guess, like, founder stories, right? People want to know so much probably about you than ever before, than they maybe did about... 20 years ago with a big beauty brand. How do you kind of navigate that as a leader?
1: Um, I just answer the question. I'm not sure why people find it so interesting, but the question, if, if I, if someone asks me a question, I tend to answer it, honestly. Um, It is challenging to navigate. I'm an introverted founder. I, uh, um, I really, like. I'm really hands-on in terms of I'm a maker of things. Like I'm very motivated by making physical things beyond makeup, like other things in my life too. And um, so I can, I can tend to be really internal and get lost in my own world doing that. So sometimes it is a little bit of a challenge to pull myself out of that headspace and talk externally, but we do it.
0: Last question for you, Sheena. You know. I know you just said that you're a maker of things. So I have to ask about new launches. I know you just launched the deodorant. I know that you had a really robust 2019, but I imagine, are you pressing the gas on launches or are you holding steady? What, what are we going to expect from you for the rest of 2020?
1: Well, let's just stay in deodorant for a while. Let's just stay, let's bask in the in the beautiful light and glory that is deodorant, which has been, I think, my favorite launch um, because of, I, well, it would be between tinted face oil and deodorant, my, those would be my top favorite launches because I um, have always struggled with my skin and I have always struggled with my BO. And the fact that I don't struggle with those two things anymore feels very freeing to me. I feel like I have additional time in my, in my day um, because I don't have to worry about dealing with those two things anymore. So um, really exciting about that. And then we're maintaining pressure on the gas, to use the gas analogy. Um, We had a plan and we're going to stick to it. Um, We haven't really made any shifts, but you'll continue to see more from us through the end of the year and next year.
0: Thank you so much, Sheena. It was great having you.
1: It was so great being here. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Tune in next week for another episode. And if you know someone or more than one who should be listening to the Glossy Beauty podcast, please have them subscribe. See you next week.